Okay, I want to get to Dr. Neil Maharaj in a sec, but you may have seen the news, and I want him to hear the clip too. Uh, I want you to hear this reaction, because everyone was jumping for joy this morning, and it's great when we can. Um, I remember being here a lot of mornings in the fall um, doing the show, and, uh, and, and you were thrilled when you got great news about this vaccine and that vaccine. Um, and we wondered about kids. And remember last week, the education minister said, we got to you know, we got to get vaccines for kids to get them back into school. And you can understand that got a lot of people saying, wait a minute, I, I thought kids were fine and safe and they didn't transmit and they don't shed the virus and they won't test positive and all that stuff. So why would we need them? But Pfizer said today that their COVID-19 vaccine, 100 percent effective in a study of adolescents 12 to 15, which is really encouraging. Most schools have not reopened in the United States and they're getting to the point where adults, it's about 25 to 30 percent of adults have had at least one dose in most states. And as we told you earlier, they're going to they're going to push that to 90 percent in the next three weeks. They're flying right now, way, way better than any expectation could have been in the transfer from Trump to Biden. But I want you to hear this from uh, a guy. This guy's been right more than anybody I can think of in the states when I've listened to him. He's been right more than Fauci has, to be perfectly fair. Scott Gottlieb's a contributor um, and an epidemiologist for CNBC. Listen to the second part of what what he said and i want to follow that up with our guest coming up but he doesn't think that this is necessarily it's not bad news but it's not necessarily significant news and there's a difference here's what he said this morning well we probably have it in time for the fall school year which is which is i think what people have focused on um you know this will probably take about a month I, the, the last applications took about a month for the fda to re, uh, review i would expect this data to take the same amount of time that fda is going to go through it very carefully I would expect that they'd probably bring it before a public advisory committee and ACIP will want to review the data as well. So I think they're going to go through the same careful process that they've gone through with the other data sets for the adult population. But that still puts you in a position of having this available. Hopefully, if everything goes well and, and the FDA review holds up, puts you in a position of having it available for the fall. The other thing I would just point out, there's data coming out of Israel right now. There's all kinds of data coming out of Israel, uh, real-world evidence about the vaccine's uh, efficacy in that population. But one of the studies that came out just recently was a study looking at the incidence of infection among 16 and under once you got the adults vaccinated. And what they showed was that the infection rates in kids dropped dramatically and basically in line with the infection rate um, in adults. As the infection rate in adults declined, so did the infection rate in kids. Hmm. So the best way to protect children is to get adults vaccinated. Yeah, exactly. So as some suspected, like it's great, it's great news. Um, and, and you don't want a trial to go south when it comes to vaccinating kids, but it just may not even be necessary. Some think it's it's necessary to get to herd immunity um, that, that have kids develop uh, because they won't develop the antibodies on their own. But I, I don't know that it's necessarily crucial to vaccinate kids to end the pandemic. It'll help increase confidence, and that's that'll go hand in hand with ending the pandemic. I want to bring in our next guest uh, from the Niagara region. He's a respirologist and chair of respiratory disease for Ontario's doctors. Uh, Dr. Neil Maharaj joins uh, me once again. It's great to have you on, Dr. Maharaj. Thanks for making the time. Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Happy to, man. Well, now, you hear that clip right there. Um, what what has been your read so far? Obviously, it's great news. It's not bad news, but, but it may not necessarily be significant news, and kids are going to be by far <laughs> in Canada, just absolutely last in line uh, to get the jab before the rest of us. I think it's really great news, actually, as you pointed out. Obviously, when you see that preliminary data come out in children where we, you know, we've been watching and, 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 and wondering about this for some time, that's a really, uh, that's a really uh, good thing to hear. You know, in terms of the necessity, again, as you know, I'm, a, I'm an adult doctor, so I would you know, mm. want to know what our, my pediatric colleagues think about this. But, um, you know, 
schools have been obviously a very contentious issue throughout this entire pandemic. And, you know, the question of transmissibility from students and teachers and so on and so forth has, has always been an issue. So, uh, you know, I, I think this is important and we're going to actually have to think about how we're going to implement this, particularly for teachers in schools, because teachers, you know, they're, they're out there uh, teaching children exposed and their risk is not benign either. So, again, I, I think this is going to be part of the solution. I, I, don't, I'm not, I'm, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that it's not necessary. Um, but I, I, how and how that's going to unfold will remain to be seen when the data is actually being able to be reviewed by everybody. It's strange, isn't it? Because the vaccine sort of, you know, order. I, w- I was worried at Christmas time when the, the, the idea of the procurement was, the, the distribution rather, was just going to be age-based. And I thought about that and I said, no one's going to argue with the idea that we've got we've to take care of our long-term care residents. And no one's going to argue that we certainly should get 80-year-olds and over. Those are the majority of people that have died for uh, this illness. And so what are we doing this for if not to protect as many of them as possible? But I knew it would get tricky once we got into the 60s and then debating, meaning people of age 60 and and teachers and health healthcare professionals like yourself. And I, I, I worry now it's getting complicated and crowded and everybody's everybody's going to advocate for sort of their kind to get vaccinated next and, and jump the line a little bit. And I don't blame them. I'm not saying any of them don't deserve, don't have a case. No, absolutely. I mean, we know by, by you know by by and large the biggest factor was has been age. That's that's a no brainer. At this point, we've seen so much data come out supporting that. But we've also since then seen data where certain groups, um, their ability to mount an immune response is impaired. I think recently, very recently, that's why the recommendation changed for patients with certain cancers and for certain solid organ transplants. So it's not a one-size-fits-all, and you're right. I mean, it is going to get, quote-unquote, crowded, um, but that's um, that's the world that we currently live in with these vaccines, and it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. We're going to have to be nimble and adjust so that you know we are, we're optimizing the protection for the public. Dr. Neil Maharaj, our guest, uh, Greg Brady, and for Jeff MacArthur today, Global News Radio 640 Toronto, on this Wednesday. Um, the concept, uh, I want to get to AstraZeneca in a second, ask you your take on a couple of things, but that the idea of a vaccine passport, and that's got a lot of people uh, kind of wrinkling up their noses, but I mean, we, we, we ask for it for kids. We know that we, we have to show certain, you know, um, vaccinations have been done to go to certain countries in Africa and Asia. I, 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 how in rhythm can all of us get with the idea that it's just going to be something we have to do, at least for the short-term future, for international travel and, and even private businesses? No, I, I agree, Greg. I mean, this is something that uh, we're probably going to have to get comfortable with. I mean, you know, we're, we, we do have... Restrictions on travel, obviously, particularly quarantine when, we, when we're returning. This is just an extension of that. And as uncomfortable uh, as it may seem, I mean, where we are right now with the variants of concern and the concern about, you know, the propagation of additional variants, I mean, this is something that I think the global community really need, really needs. And in, at least in the short term, as you, as you say, we're, we're going to have to at least get comfortable with this idea. So um, I, I think that's coming. I was incredibly disappointed. I, I won't lie, uh, and you might you might adamantly disagree. I was really disappointed not to give consumers uh, the choice about AstraZeneca. There were pharmacists and doctors uh, who have people scheduled for appointments who say those people still want it, and not everyone does. And and I'm all for adults making choices, of course, 
about their own health. What was your initial reaction on Monday, Dr. Maharaj, to, to them shelving it for the time being for 55s and under right now? And, and, um, and how do you feel about it about 48 hours later? Yeah, that's a great question, Greg. You know, I, my initial response, uh, you know, I, I, I was scratching my head at it initially when I, when I reviewed the data and I looked at it. But again, you know, our, the National Advisory Committee on Immunizations, I mean, these are our experts and, you know, I do defer to them. And so when I kind of got into the weeds as to how did they arrive at this, uh, at this um, recommendation, it, it, it did make a lot of sense. It was based on a risk calculus. And, and so, you know, those that are uh, less than the age of 55, their likelihood of um, having this very rare, very rare outcome of a blood clot um, is actually slightly higher than their risk of dying. And so based on that risk adjustment, they made that recommendation. And after time, as I, as I read more and spoke to other colleagues, I see where they were coming from, and it was a, it was a very tough decision. It, was, it certainly uh, posed a wrinkle in terms of the messaging of vaccines, but I do think actually now that I've had some time to sit with this, that it was probably the right decision. Is there any potential for it being a quote-unquote bad batch, Dr. Maharaj, given that we haven't seen those kind of numbers in in, uh, in the United Kingdom, and they've obviously barracked pretty hard for it. That's their vaccine, so there's some there's some you know national pride associated with it and uh and maybe and just maybe that's part of the reason that you know the, the it's it's confidence created by uh by you know advocacy if you will but we just haven't seen that in Canada so far with any of 300,000 um is it possible that it's just a bad batch you know i don't think so greg i think and the reason why i say that is you know, this was made uh, in reviewing data from many of the Scandinavian countries, Norway, for example, and Germany, uh, and their surveillance of, the, of, of these events is quite robust. Uh, if it was an issue around batch, um, I think that would have come out given the, the vaccination rates that they have in those areas geographically. So, you know, I, again, I, I, I'm not an expert on, on the surveillance of this, but based on their programs and the recommendation, I don't think this is a batch issue. Do you worry that we've now we've got a combination of some, you know, vaccine hesitancy and I'm I'm literally hesitant to talk about it because I worry anytime it gets out there. I kind of cringe when I see it in a newscast talking about it because I worry that every story that talks about vaccine hesitancy encourages people. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy and people become more hesitant. But do you worry it's we've got this public fatigue with restrictions and everything combined with this and uh, and, and you've got people kind of down. I don't want people down on the whole concept of of getting the needle and neither would you. Without a doubt. I mean, you know, it's we're over a year now and uh, speaking with patients, speaking with family members, myself, everyone, uh, everyone is tired. You know, but I do think um, that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, we've seen in Israel, I mean, there's some really, mm-hmm. as, as the speaker, Dr. Gottlieb mentioned in your preceding uh, message, you know, there's some, there's some really encouraging data coming out of Israel where their vaccination rates are over 50%. And so, you know, that's the target that I would encourage everyone to try their best to keep to keep in mind. I know that's really hard. Um, and also, you know, even our own federal government has announced huge shipments of multiple mRNA vaccines and J&J vaccine coming, you know, by April. So we've got huge numbers of vaccines coming. That has to be uh, implemented quickly in line with keeping our restrictions 
uh, imposed for safety and of course mask wearing and, and, and those other measures. So it's all a package, but I do think if we're able to kind of soldier, you know, soldier through this, we're going to come out okay at the end of it for sure. Dr. Maharaj, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. Thanks for your uh, time and, and your advocacy and uh, stay safe this holiday weekend. I appreciate it. You too, Greg. Thank you. You got it. Uh, that's Neil Maharaj. Uh, he is a respirologist, chair of respiratory disease for Ontario's doctors.